the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Everybody, it's another Al Gatulo Craft Beer cast on AM 970. The answer, we've got a great show for you tonight. Two craft beer guests are going to be joining me. That's right, not one, but two in this fast-paced hour. The usual news and notes to get to in this segment. Uh, but first, how can you follow me? Very easily on Twitter, at Al Gatulo, Instagram at Gatulo, G-A-T-T-U-L-L-O is the spelling of the last name, facebook.com slash agcraftbeercast via email. At Albert G at NYCRadio.com. And don't forget iTunes, Google Play, uh, Alexa Ready as well, Radio.com, iHeartRadio. We are all over the place. You can check us out there, and you can also check us out on the Hopped Up Network. All you have to do is head over to the Hopped Up Network Monday mornings before 6 a.m., and the podcast version of this particular radio program will be up there. Uh, and it's usually be- way before 6, usually in the 5 o'clock hour. Uh, I get it up there. Now, coming up in 10 minutes, Andrew Riggy the executive director of the New York City Hospitality Hospitality Alliance, easy for me to say, will join me. Governor Cuomo last week was not happy with the lack of social distancing at bars and restaurants, vowed to shut all of them down if they don't follow the rules. We'll chat about that and a lot more in 20 minutes. Derek Kasky is one of the owners of Sawstone Brewing in Moorhead, Kentucky. His brewery has been in the news recently, and we'll get into it in a few moments, because Stone Brewing... Uh, apparently filed a cease and desist order of the name of the brewery, Sawstone, Stone Brewing. That's coming up in 20 minutes. Uh, and uh, a very, uh, you know, it, it's going to be an interesting interview, but it's also, it's one of those things that I want to spotlight as to why the eighth largest independent brewer in the country is going after a brewery that is in Moorhead, Kentucky, a three-barrel brewery, you know, that, that really is only making beer for the surrounding town. I don't understand that. It's like Big Brother going up against, I mean, come on. It's a little ridiculous. But that's coming up uh, in about 20 minutes from now. Let's dive into some beer news. We'll get to that story about um, Sawstone in just a second. Boston Beer Company has shuttered the Samuel Adams Boston Tap Room. Uh, that was earlier this week, citing an influx of out-of-state visitors from COVID-19 hotspots. That's according to the location's social media profiles, and the company wrote, while we love welcoming visitors to the tap room, we also know we need to do our part to keep everyone as safe as possible. Uh, the 14,000-square-foot tap room, located just about 20 yards away from the statue of the Samuel Adams beer brand's namesake near tourist-heavy uh, Fennel Hall, won't be offering on-site service, including no outdoor service. The location will offer contactless pickup of tap room exclusive beers and seasonal offerings Wednesday through Sundays from noon to 6 p.m. Masks and IDs will be required. The Samuel Adams Taproom Outdoor Roof Deck has been open for just about three weeks, and the taproom just opened in January, a couple of years after being announced. The company added, we will continue to monitor trends and will reopen our rooftop patio when we believe it is in the best interest of our drinkers and our co-workers. In a new study 
finds close to one-third of small businesses in the New York City area will never open again because of the damage done by the pandemic. The Partnership for New York City released a post-pandemic response plan that details what mom-and-pop owners must do to survive, and obviously we're talking about small businesses, so breweries and bars are included in that. The study finds that most small business owners have less than three months' worth of cash reserves on hand. Uh, The partnership says that will make it very difficult for them to pay back rent, buy new inventory, and rehire furloughed workers. We'll talk to Andrew Riggi about that uh, coming up in a little bit. And, you know, again, this is part of the thing. How can you pay your landlord if your business isn't open? How does the landlord pay the bank if the business isn't open to pay the rent? There is a trickle-down effect here, and something needs to be done. Safely reopening businesses, getting them uh, even more grants to help offset the rent that they have to pay, to help the landlord out, to be able to pay the bank, to keep things moving, to keep the economy moving. We shall see what happens. Uh, a longtime Chicago bar closed. Guthrie's Tavern on the north side announced the closure uh, a few days ago, blaming the city's latest tightening of re- uh, COVID-19 regulations on bars. In a Facebook post, the eatery said there is no way they can survive with the new restrictions. The new rules imposed yesterday by Mayor Lightfoot, uh, yesterday, a few days ago, excuse me, by Mayor Lightfoot, bans bars without a retail food license from serving customers indoors. Guthrie's opened in 1986. It closed in mid-March following Governor Pritzker's shelter-in-place order had reopened for business back on July 8th. Their last day of business was last Thursday. So this is a trend that we're seeing. California is now going to surpass uh, New York as having uh, the most COVID-19 infections, possibly deaths. We're seeing rates rising all among the country. I think part of the reason of that, folks, very simple. States open too early, plain and simple. And now we're seeing them having to shut their businesses again. New York and New Jersey are doing well. So is Connecticut. Why? Because they kept their businesses shut longer. Whether you agree or disagree, the results are showing it now. The rates are down. Um, I think the businesses in New York and New Jersey will very, very slowly reopen, and we shall see what happens here. Now, I want to – and the other part of it with New York, with with Governor Cuomo, he announced the other day, if you're a bar, you must serve food in order for you to be open. You can't just serve drinks. You can't have the quote-unquote liquid lunch, right? But he didn't say that when he reopened restaurants. He didn't say bars have to stay closed unless they serve food. He didn't say that. They reopened, assuming that you could do all of these things. Now, uh, granted, uh, the governor, I think, was not clear in his message. But I also think that businesses were trying to make their money back. We'll talk to Andrew Riggi about this uh, coming up in a few minutes. Um, Trying to make their money back because they've been closed for so long. And the bottom line is you can't have people milling around uh, waiting for drinks and not social distancing. Get your drink and go. Now, I know some places were selling Cuomo chips and, you know, little small items for a dollar and saying that that's food. But apparently there was some misconception there. Uh, the, the the misconception was chips are considered food. Uh, but in this case, they've spelled out what is food and what isn't food. So um, we will see what happens uh, in terms of that. I, I think, you know, in some ways you've got to try and figure out a way to reopen these businesses in a safe and responsible manner. Uh, I think the governor is getting a little too, you know, of the lord of, you know, of whatever uh, it, to his head. To Governor Murphy's credit, and I particularly don't like to give the governor credit, but I will give him credit here. It seems in New Jersey, it seems that the um, outdoor dining and stuff has worked better. 
Uh, there is less infection rate. There are less people congregating places. I know that there are places on the shore where there have been a lot of people congregating that happened in the first week or so, and they have uh, taken care of that for the most part. So we will see what happens there. Now, the story that I want to get to before we break. So Sawstone Brewing opened about a year ago, and this story was first reported by uh, Kinsey Bernhard Bernhard of Kentucky Sports Radio, uh, uncovered a series of tweets Stemming from Patrick Fannin of Dreaming Creek Brewery in Richmond, Kentucky, Fannin explains Stone Brewing had issued a trademark cancellation request against Sawstone Brewing for their use of the word stone in the brewery's name. So Stone Brewing first filed for their mark of the word in 1997. Uh, A lawyer representing Stone sent uh, a cease and desist to Sawstone Brewing in Moorhead, Kentucky. Stone does not want them using the word stone in their name. This is, again, from Patrick Fannin. Um, At first... When they got this order back in March, Sawstone agreed they'll never turn the name into two words. They'll never separate saw and stone. Uh, lawyers wanted the three-barrel brew house uh, brewery that made 100 barrels last year to limit their distribution range. They agreed to those things. Um, but apparently Stone changed their lawyers. And the lawyer, the new lawyer said, no, they want them to drop the entire name, uh, change it to something else. Now, obviously going to court for these guys would be very expensive. For a less than one-year-old brewery, they're just trying to make their, you know, their name for themselves in their town. Now, upon further investigation, the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office, um, Stone Brewing had issued similar trademark cancellation requests. The list is lengthy; I couldn't even get into it here in this segment. It is so long. Of all these, a pizza place, a stone maker, uh, I, I couldn't tell you how many places that they're filing uh, these things. Um, the the uh, other breweries and brands listed: Touchstone Brewing, Stone Hollow Brewing, Stoney's Brewing Company, Cask and Stone Brewing, Blue Point Brewing. <laughs> this is the best, Juicy Bastard, and and Hazy Bastard. They said you can't use those names, right? Um, which is hilarious. Now, apparently, one of the guys who wrote this article in PorchDrinking.com uh, reached out to Stone. Stone's uh, CEO, Dominic Engels, issued a following statement saying, Since 1996, Stone has protected its brand by registering its trademarks like Stone and Stone Brewing. Uh, when other businesses try to register trademarks that are confusingly similar to Stone's trademarks, Stone regularly opposes them at the PTO. This is a routine part of being a trademark owner. In this case, Sawstone applied for a nationwide trademark registration to use Sawstone Brewing Company to sell beer. Stone filed a petition to cancel that registration with the Patent and Trademark Office. As Stone told the PTO, Sawstone's mark is confusingly similar to Stone's registered trademarks. The PTO will eventually decide whether the mark can be registered. There seems to be some confusion out there about whether Stone has sent cease and desist letters to various folks, including Sawstone. To clarify, we have not filed a lawsuit in court. And a cancellation at the Patent and Trademark Office is not a cease and desist. A cancellation is an administrative proceeding where the PTO decides whether or not a trademark can be registered. We're already in discussions with Sawstone to see if we can reach an agreement that works for both of us. I will ask um, I will ask Derek Kasky coming up in 20 minutes about that if they are still in negotiations with them to do that. But the bottom line is this. Sawstone refers to a stone that is indigenous to Kentucky. It has nothing to do with Stone Brewing. I can understand where Stone thinks that there, Stone Brewing thinks that there's a mistake. The bottom line is that's not the case. I think there would have been an easier way for Stone to get to Stone Brewing to get ahead of this and just say, "Look, our new lawyers didn't understand what we wanted. We wanted them to go after certain people. These people were not one of them, especially when they made an agreement in March." And by the way, the pandemic was going on in March. That's when you send letters when people really can't defend themselves and they're trying to keep their business open. I'm sorry, I got a problem with this. With Stone Brewing, but we're going to talk to Derek Kasky uh, coming up in a little bit uh, to to clarify this and some other things about the brewery. 
But also, if the Stone Brewing folks are listening, they're more than welcome to come on the program anytime, defend their position, and give me and the audience more of an understanding of why they do what they do. I get it, they're trying to protect their name, but I think in this case, I think this is a little short-sighted, especially when Stone says all the time, they're for the little people, they want to fight for the little people, because they're the, you know, the, the little guy who's trying to make it in the big boys world, right? Come on, Stone. Do the right thing here. When we come back after a short break, Andrew Riggi, the executive director of the New York City Hospitality Alliance, will join me. This is the Algatulo Craft Beer Cast on AM 970, The Answer. Dennis Prager explains what the left sees. The dehumanization of blacks, yes. It's the left's dehumanization of blacks. They're not people. They're a color. This is what the left's message is. You know why the left says all whites are racist? Because they're racist and they assume that everybody else is. There's no other possible explanation for that moronic comment, and people have fallen for it. The Dennis Prager Show, weekdays at 1, right before Sebastian Gorka at 3 on AM 970. The Answer. You're listening to Al Gutulo's Craft Beer Cast, sponsored in part by Source Farmhouse Brewery. Get your handcrafted beer from none other than The Source. It's back to school time. Whether your kids are returning to class with face masks or you're keeping them at home, one thing will stay the same. Back to school is expensive. So we'd like to help. Enter the back-to-school sweepstakes. You could win $2,500 for your kids' expenses. Then we pay an additional $2,500 to your school. Go to am970theanswer.com and enter to win. That's am970theanswer.com. AM970, the answer doesn't have to stop when you turn off your radio. Like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter or Instagram. Download the app. Just search AM970, the answer. Take us with you wherever you go. I'm Craig Carpenito, the U.S. Attorney for the District of New Jersey. The Department of Justice wants you to know that if you have been sexually harassed by a landlord or property manager, a loan officer or housing official, a maintenance worker or security guard, you can do something about it. Contact us at 844-380-6178 or email fairhousing at usdoj.gov. You have fair housing rights under the law. Call 844-380-6178. You've heard all the lies about President Trump. Trump is a racist. Trump is Putin's pet. Here's the truth. Trump is the most effective conservative president that America has had in decades. And every lie they spread about him is targeting you. This is Kurt Schlichter, and my new book is called The 21 Biggest Lies About Donald Trump and You. It does what no other book does. It knocks down the 21 biggest lies about our president with facts and logic and humor. Trump obstructed justice. Trump hates immigrants. These are big lies, and the reason for the lies is simple. President Trump is the first president in a long time to stand up for the Constitution and for conservative principles. And when the left wants to tear down everything this country stands for, my new book, The 21 Biggest Lies About Donald Trump and You, explains why this president's courage and common sense are exactly what we need today. This is the most important book of the year. Read it and you'll agree. The 21 Biggest Lies About Donald Trump and You by me, Kurt Schlichter. Get it wherever books are sold. Listen to AM 970, The Answer, on Alexa, TuneIn, iHeart, or Radio.com.
Welcome back to the Algatulo Craft Beer Cast on AM 970. The answer, you can follow me very easily on Twitter at Algatulo, Instagram at Gatulo, G A T T U L O. We're on Facebook over at Facebook.com slash AG Craft Beer Cast, Google Play, iTunes, Radio.com, iHeartRadio. We're everywhere, including the Hopped Up Network. All you have to do is head over to the Hopped Up Network on Monday mornings. Uh, before 6 a.m., you will find the podcast version of this radio show, and you can listen to it and download it whenever you feel like it. Now, my next guest is the executive director of the New York City Hospitality Alliance. Their job is to bridge the gap between the hospitality industry, the government, and the press. TheNYCAlliance.org is the website for more information. Let me welcome to the show for the first time, Andrew Ridgey. Andrew, how are you? Oh, I'm hanging in there. What about yourself? Thanks for having me on. You got it. Uh, doing the same, my friend. Let's start off with the positive. First, your group was able to secure outdoor dining uh, that will be allowed until October 31st in New York City. It was supposed to end in early September. Was this a difficult battle for you to accomplish? Well, you know, we had been out there day and night saying if restaurants are going to be shut down indoors, we're going to need space outdoors. And I think everyone, especially during this pandemic, recognizes how important our small businesses, like our local restaurants and bars are. So like anything else, we had to fight to get it done. But I think our friends in government understood the importance and we made it happen. And, and obviously, real estate being at a premium uh, in in the um, five boroughs, not so, not so much on Staten Island because there's a little bit more pl- uh, space to spread out, but obviously in Manhattan and Brooklyn, space is at a premium, so this is something of a benefit for some of those restaurant owners. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we had sidewalk cafes before the pandemic, but this program for outdoor dining has really let businesses throughout the five boroughs who couldn't either afford a sidewalk cafe or were in a location that they were not permitted, now they can get them. They can use the sidewalk space as well in many locations. They can use the parking spots as well. So, you know, it's not indoor dining. Most places are not able to recoup 100% of the loss of indoor occupancy outdoors, but every dollar counts. And it also has allowed some sort of vibe come back to the city of New York where people are out eating, drinking, socializing in a safe way, of course. And and the bigger issue now is the mixed signals from Governor Cuomo. First, alcohol to go was allowed. Then it was you could go to a bar and restaurant, order a drink and social distance. That was okay. Now Lord Cuomo, I mean the governor, has said you must order food with your adult beverage. He's on the cover of the New York Post in uh, the Thursday edition as the drink t- the drink tater. Uh, bars were never allowed to reopen if they don't serve food. He's saying chips are not food. Andrew, help me here. What is going on? Yeah, so it's really complicated, and of course, language matters. At the end of the day, our goal is to work with Governor Cuomo to do everything, not only to keep everyone safe, but to ensure that our small businesses are going to be able to come back. And there's been a lot of confusion now about what restaurants and bars can and cannot do. And the change in this recent executive order requires people that when they sit down to have a beer, they're also going to have to order food. And our concern was that could be counterproductive because the goal, we believe, was to get people just off the street randomly drinking to sit down at a table that's socially distant and have a beer or a glass of wine and have the opportunity to also have a meal. But now those same people will have no choice. They need to not only have their drink, but they'll have to order a meal. Obviously, it costs more money, and we don't want this to mean those people who just want to now end up doing it on the street instead of doing it sitting down at a table in a more safe manner. 
We're talking with Andrew Riggi. He's the executive director of the uh, New York City Hospitality Alliance. Their job to bridge the gap between the hospitality industry, the government, and the press. TheNYCAlliance.org is the website for more information. We're here on the Alcatulo Craft Beer Cast on AM 970, The Answer. So, Andrew, are many of the businesses that you, that you represent, that you're helping out, are they following the rules as laid out by the state of New York? You know, we've seen in the news some places are not following it. They've had their uh, alcohol license taken away. But for the most part, most of the businesses are following what has been coming down uh, from Governor Cuomo, correct? Yes. The vast majority of businesses are trying to do everything right. The problem is there's a few bad actors, and we cannot allow those bad actors to ruin it for everyone else. And we need to ensure that the rules can stay as consistent as possible. If they change, there's a good reason for them to change. And then they are communicated to the thousands upon thousands of business owners throughout the city and state so they understand what they can do, what they can't do. But what many feel right now is that the goalposts continue to move and they're not clear about what it is they can do. So, again, our goal is to work with the industry to ensure what they can do and what they can't do and make sure that we're hopefully doing it cooperatively with the governor and with all the different government agencies. But too often, small business owners feel like they are being attacked rather than supported. And and let me ask you, Andrew, and I don't know if you know the answer to this question. Obviously, there are some uh, breweries that are in the area, in the New York City area, uh, that have been able to operate with a small uh, beer garden that's outdoors. Are they still able to do that, or does this mandate of, you know, you have to have food with drink uh, pertain to them as well? Yeah, so this, I believe, would pertain to them as well. Uh, There are some slight different requirements in the different types of licenses that different businesses have, but it seems now... For these liquor license establishments, if they are permitted to have outdoor dining, at least in the city of New York, that your customer will need to purchase a food item. And that's something like a soup or a sandwich or salad, a burger. Uh, I think you could allow an order of wings or nachos, stuff like that. But simply giving popcorn or some potato chips would not uh, pass muster. Uh, and, and, Andrew, in your opinion, I, it's my opinion that I, I feel like the mayor and the governor are kind of trying to stifle small business in a way because, you know, obviously a big box store can be open, but but a small business can't, depending on the parameters. In your opinion, why do you think the city, and by extension the state, is preventing some of these small businesses from earning a living? Is it just COVID-19? Yeah, well, listen, it's always been extraordinarily difficult to run a small business in the city of New York. I think people are very concerned, rightfully so, about COVID-19. I think we also need to put it into context and understand that if we don't help support these businesses, it's going to exacerbate the financial crisis. So, you know, what I've been saying is we need to defer to the public health officials making these decisions about what's safe and what is not safe. But that can't come at the expense of still supporting our businesses. We need clear guidance so we can know what to do and what not to do. And if government is going to continue for the right reasons, perhaps, to keep us closed, well, then they need to provide us the appropriate support so when we are permitted to open, we can, and we're not just put out of business. We're talking with Andrew Ridgey, the executive director of the New York City Hospitality Alliance. Their job bridging the gap between the uh, hospitality industry, the government, and, of course, us in here in the media. The NYCAlliance.org is the website for more information. We're here on the Alcatulo Craft Beer Cast on AM 970, The Answer. Last question from me, Andrew. What is the next step for the Hospitality Alliance as the federal government is trying to put together another stimulus package? What is your role there to help 
help these small businesses? We need support from the federal government. There is a bill in Congress called the Restaurants Act. It is a more than $120 billion that would go help stimulate these businesses with their rent. You know, there's no way small businesses are going to be able to pay back multiple months of missed rent. And as we start reopening, are they going to be able to pay back 100% of pre-pandemic rent? So this bill, along with some other policies, like an extension of the Paycheck Protection Program, is going to be critically important because there is no way our national as well as our New York City economy will ever recover if our city's restaurants and bars and same goes for little towns around the globe, mm-hmm. I say the country. If these businesses are not at the core of our recovery, there will not be a recovery. Yeah, I mean, because it's a trickle-down effect. If the restaurant can't make money, they can't pay the landlord, the landlord can't pay the bank, and then they default, and then the building remains empty. So you're right. I mean, this is all, it's all working hand-in-hand with one another. My guest has been Andrew Ridgey, the executive director of the New York City Hospitality Alliance, the job bridging the gap between the hospitality industry, the government, and the press. The website, the thenycalliance.org, that's the website for more information. Uh, Andrew, thanks so much for joining me. I very much appreciate it. Thank you. You got it. Up next, Derek Kasky, co-owner of Sawstone Brewing. He's being attacked by Stone Brewing to change the name of his brewery just because it has the word stone in it. We'll get to that next on the Alcatulo Craft Beer Cast on AM 970, The Answer. News, opinion, passion. This is AM 970, The Answer. It's clear at 84 degrees what's going on. We have the answer. President Trump is declining the Yankees' offer to throw at the first pitch before a game in the Bronx next month. Trump taking to Twitter today saying that because he's focused on the coronavirus, the economy, and has scheduled meetings on vaccines, he won't be able to throw out the ceremonial first pitch at Yankee Stadium August 15th before the Bombers game against the Boston Red Sox. The president adding that he hopes he can do it later in the season. Major League Baseball began a shortened 60-game season last week due to the COVID-19 pandemic, and all the games are being played without fans in the stands. Governor Andrew Cuomo frequently complains about how the New York Post covers him, but today he took it a step further. David Folk Thomas has the details. During an early morning conference call with reporters, the governor blaming the tabloid for rising COVID-19 rates in Florida and Arizona. Cuomo claiming that the Post and the Wall Street Journal continue to push for New York's economy to reopen faster since the infection rate is currently very low. Cuomo said Florida listened to the New York Post, Texas listened to the Wall Street Journal, Arizona listened to the Wall Street Journal and the New York Post. That was wrong. The Post has been critical of Cuomo for a state order that required nursing homes to admit or readmit recovering COVID-19 patients discharged by hospitals. David Folk Thomas, NBC News Radio, New York. In sports, Mets were whooped by Atlanta Braves this evening. 14-1 was the final score. Yankees beat the Nationals 3-2 this afternoon. And the Clippers' Lou Williams has to quarantine for 10 days after leaving the league's bubble to attend a family member's funeral. Traffic delays, Hudson River crossings are moving well. Harlem River Drive southbound from 5th Avenue to the Willis Avenue Bridge now looks good. Weather for tonight, mostly clear, low 77 degrees. Sunny tomorrow, hot and humid, high near 92. Now you know what's going on. I'm Amy Salerno on AM 970, The Answer. 
Hey, I'm not going to lie here, folks. We've all been through a tough time these last few months, and the simple pleasures in life are not so easy to come by these days. But you know what's one thing that can make being stuck at home a little bit better? It's having a delicious beer from Source Farmhouse Brewery. You've heard me talk about the Source First Annual Pro-Am Homebrew Competition. That's running all through this month of July, but you can still order yourself a great beer for pickup or delivery in New Jersey. They create handcrafted farm-to-glass ales and lagers brewed on site in true farmhouse brewery tradition. And let me tell you, they've now opened opened up their outdoor areas for reserved seating so you can enjoy a beer on beautiful farmland in Colts Neck, New Jersey. Just head over to beerbroadcast.com, sign up, pick your two-hour window, and you're done. It's that simple. I can personally attest to the quality of their product. They're what separates a good beer from a life-changing beer. To order beers from Source on Fridays or to reserve a spot in their beer garden outside or on their outdoor rooftop deck, check out beerbroadcast.com and sign up. It's super easy. And to learn more about the story of Source, go to sourcebrewing.com. As America sits at a standstill, God is calling his people to action, to spread hope, light, and truth. If you've ever felt the tug to share your story by writing a Christian book, now is the time to embrace the stillness and put pen to paper. Join us now at ChristianAuthors.com, where we're linking arms with believers to heed the Great Commission and get Christian books into the hands of readers. That's ChristianAuthors.com, where we're amplifying truth to see lives changed. Get your free guide to Christian publishing today at ChristianAuthors.com. Jay Sekula, live on Top of the World, weeknights at 6 on AM 970, The Answer. Back to the Al Gatulo Craft Beer Cast on AM nine seventy. The answer you can follow me very easily on Twitter at Al Gatulo, Instagram at Gatulo. You can spell that G A double T U double L O. Facebook.com slash AG Craft Beer Cast. Uh, Google Play, iTunes, Radio.com, iHeartRadio. Email me at albert at nycradio.com. And, of course, every Monday morning before 6 a.m., you can listen to the full program as a podcast on the Hopped Up Network. You just head over to the hoppedupnetwork.com, and you can listen to this, sh- this show or a plethora of others. See, this is what happens when I talk too fast and I get ahead of myself. A plethora of others. Whenever you want. Now, my next guest is one of the co-owners of a brewery that is located in the town of Moorhead, Kentucky. These guys do not want to be in the news for this reason. The brewery barely opened a year, and already they are having to fight for the name of their brewery because it has the name Stone in it. We're going to get into that in just a moment. Uh, SawStoneBrewing.co is the website for more information about how to uh, enjoy their beers and head over to their location and support them. But let me welcome to the show uh, Derek Kasky. Derek, how are you? Good. How are you doing, Al? I'm doing good. Uh, Derek, back in March of this year, you guys received a letter from Stones Brewing's lawyers. What was in that letter? Yes, we got a request for cancellation of our trademark. Okay. And so they... Yeah, and that was sent over to the, the USPTO office, and then we were notified. Mm-hmm. And so um, a, a cancellation of a trademark. So it was not a cease and desist, as some of the stories uh, have been saying. There's there's a difference between a cancellation of a trademark and a cease and desist. Is that correct? That's correct, yeah. It's kind of a precursor to a cease and desist. Okay. And what they're arguing, Stone's lawyers is arguing, is that your name... Sawstone is too close to Stone Brewing, right? 
That's right. Okay. And you originally, if and, and correct me if I'm wrong here, you originally settled with Stone agreeing to do certain things that they had asked you to do, uh, but Stone's new lawyers now don't find that acceptable. Is that right? Yeah. they. And so this is based on their uh, Greg Cook's interview from a few years ago when their lawsuit with Noy Coors had begun, and, and he had said, you know, we could end this now if you agree to never separate Key and Stone. Okay. And so, you know, we... Of course, we would never do that. We're kind of on their their side as far as that goes. Um, But they're fighting a little bit harder with us. Um, So, yeah, we're moving forward with it. Yeah, I mean, it it is kind of weird because the name Sawstone has to do with a rock which is native to the Kentucky region and is part of the stone that was built, you know, to to create your building, to create your brewery. It has, has nothing to do with stone brewing at all, right? Exactly, yeah. Our our tap room, our building was constructed in 1915 by a fellow named J.F. Knapp. And, um, and, and this is kind of a novel way of constructing a building. Um, Kentucky is, is karst. We have lots of limestone deposits here. And, and back then, it was, it was, the stone was hand-sawed and cut. And uh, this, this entire building, our tap room and brewery, is made. That right, and so, and uh, and again, uh, we're talking with Derek Kasky. He's the co-owner of Sawstone Brewing, located in Moorhead, Kentucky. Uh, SawstoneBrewing.co is the website for more information. We're here on the Algatulo Craft Beer Cast uh, on AM 970, The Answer. And correct me if I'm wrong here, Derek, none of the beers that you produce, or should I say most of the beers that you produce, have nothing to, to do with what Stone makes. You, you're making entirely different beers. You know, Stone is, you know... Uh, IPAs with a lot of bitterness to it, and these these big you know stouts that are barrel aged and stuff. You're not doing any of those things. You're making lagers and pilsners, and yeah, maybe there's a West yeah. Coast IPA in there, but it's not. None of the names have to do with Stone. They're just coming after yeah. you simply for the fact that Stone is in the name of your brewery. That's correct. So we're kind of leaning into our locale specific building and what it's made of, and so we our flagship beers are uh, pre prohibition style. And so we have three of them. We have a Kentucky Common, a Cream Ale, and a California Common. Mm-hmm. And we occasionally throw in the classic American Pilsner. And uh, those are our focus. Uh, we're making straightforward beers here. We're not doing anything, uh, you know, anything near what Stone is doing. And, and I know that you guys have a GoFundMe page that's going right now to raise money for your legal fees, which has gone over $10,000, which is great. We're going to post a link to that uh, on our Twitter feed and, of course, on our Facebook page uh, to help you guys out. How has the response uh, been from the community since this? I mean, like, what's surprising to me is they served you with this when uh, at basically the start of the pandemic. You you had an agree. I'm 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 guessing here you had an agreement with them. Okay, we're going to do this. We won't separate. From what I was reading, you you agreed to not separate the name of the brewery ever. You agreed not to distribute outside of your area. You agreed to things that that they were in agreement with, and then these new lawyers came in with new provisions that they wanted you to do, and that's not acceptable to you, right? That's right. Yeah, we we agreed to never separate our name, but we've. You know, we're a three-barrel brew house, right. so national distribution ambitions are, you know, they're not quite there, but right. um, we don't like anybody telling us that we can't do it. Um, 
you know, if the opportunity came, we may. So, and we think we think that this is kind of some corporate capitalism gone awry. Um, so we're we're blowing the whistle on it. We're not okay with it. Uh, you know, Derek, and and we're talking with Derek Kasky, the co-owner of Sawstone Brewing here, located in Moorhead, Kentucky, here on the Alcatulo Craft Beer Cast on AM nine seventy. The answer to me, this is a simple thing that the owners of Stone Brewing can just come out and say, look, we didn't mean to do this. Uh, our, our lawyers are, are going after things that they maybe they, we, we didn't really give them the right parameters or whatever. This is something that can be very easily resolved because you're not competing with them. You, what you do and what they do are two separate things. I mean, you both produce beer, but you're doing it in completely uh, a different manner. And in my opinion, when you're the eighth largest independent brewer in the United States and you're saying you're championing the small guys, well, this does not seem like you're championing the small guys. How frustrating has this been for you and your partners? Yeah, it's it's something that I never expected. You know, I uh, it definitely wasn't in the business plan. <laughs> so <laughs> we, uh, we, yeah, you know, I, we've been drinking stone beer for, you know, for a while now and you know uh, we admire what they're doing uh, but this this is counter to any of any of those feelings that we've had in the past right. and um, yeah I don't it's it is frustrating uh, I we just want to make beer man <laughs> yeah I, I totally and and obviously with a pandemic going on how has your business been as the community come out to support you have you've been able to to uh, to do things to get your beer out there. Obviously, you don't you know you're not you're not distributing anywhere else. People have to come to the brewery in order to get the beer. Has the community uh, gone out of their way to support you and help you with that? Our community has been amazing. I mean, local community and regional community, and now you know the national craft beer community has been so supportive. Uh, it's really been amazing. I. Yeah, I never expected to have this much attention, you know, on our on our small brew house, but right. here we are. Right. Um, and and yeah, so we, you know, this we're we're not the only ones. And I want I want to make this clear that Stern is going after they're going after hundreds uh, of folks during this time, you know, this current economic crisis. And mm-hmm. uh, our tap room has has been down eighty percent revenue. And and then coupled with coupled with this uh, with these uh, the cancellation requests and whatnot, it's it's been kind of skinny around here lately. Uh, yeah. I I, to- I totally understand that. Last question from me, Derek. I'm hearing from a brewery that is local to the New York City area that's looking to help you guys out uh, with a beer that they're going to release next week. Uh, that's a West yeah. Coast IPA with a name uh, to kind of poke fun at, at this whole thing, but but also to to support you guys. And I know you spoke to one of the guys from that particular brewery. I don't want to mention names here, but how you mentioned the support from the brewing community has been fantastic, and that's to me that's one of the great things about um, uh, the, you know brewing in the brewing community. When something like this happens, they all kind of rally and support. Uh, and help you out. And I noticed it on your Facebook page. A lot of the positive comments coming from people, even from people who have never been to your brewery and want to support you. Um, how has that been, you know, for you guys as a whole? It's been amazing. It's been eye-opening. I mean, we, since we started this place, we have gotten so much support. I mean, I, before we opened the, the brew house, we needed some help kind of honing in our efficiencies. And anybody that we emailed, um, as far as breweries go, everybody was inviting and welcomed us and invited us to brew beer on their, on their systems and everybody's been amazing 
Um, this is really the first time uh, that we've had any uh, anything counter to that, and and yeah, the, the spirit that wants to make the beer. I mean, that's that's amazing. I, uh, yeah, I, I honestly am kind of speechless. Like, uh, there are so many strangers that we don't know that are in full support, and uh, yeah, that's that's the. That's the point of this industry, in my opinion. Yep, a hundred percent. And I noticed it on your GoFundMe page. People just do- donating whatever they can, whether it's five dollars, fifty dollars, ten dollars, and saying, "Listen, uh, I've never been there, and I hope I get to Morehead, uh, Kentucky, one of these days. I'd love to come in and have a beer." And that's a great thing. My guest has been Derek Kasky. He's the co-owner of uh, Sawstone Brewing. They're located in Morehead, Kentucky. Sawstonebrewing.co is the website for more information. Derek, thanks so much for giving me a couple of minutes tonight. Very much appreciated. Again, like I said, we're gonna. Post Post the link to their GoFundMe page. They they need help with their legal fees here because listen, when you get when you get something like this from a big brewery, it costs a lot of money to hire lawyers, and these guys simply don't have it, especially during this pandemic. Derek, thanks again for joining me tonight. I very much appreciate it. Al, thanks so much for having me. You got it. Up next, it's time for Suds and Duds, plus a review of the Source Homebrewing Contest that we had uh, earlier this week. We just got through the Elite Eight. We're down to the Final Four now, so it's coming up very soon. And uh, right here on the Algatulo Craft Beer Cast on AM 970, The Answer. Larry Elder explains the big lie spreading in America. Former President Obama, then President, claimed that, quote, racism is part of America's DNA, close quote. It is not possible it's true. 1960, when Americans were asked would they vote for a black person for president, roughly 40% said yes. That number held, there's no way this man gets elected president. That's a big lie. The Larry Elder Show, weeknights at 7, right before Dan Proft at 9 on AM 970. The Answer. Are you craving delicious Italian food? Well, let me tell you something. I have the place for you. It's Michael's of Brooklyn, and they're open. And I mean open. You can actually go there and have a meal. Now, look, they have an outdoor area set up in their parking lot for diners by reservation only, following all the CDC guidelines to ensure the safety and health of their patrons and employees. Now, you've heard me in the past talk about our good friends over at Michael's of Brooklyn. They're right over on Avenue R in Nostrand. They've been in business since 1964. Family owned and operated, and I can personally attest, believe me, I'm looking at my stomach right now, to the authenticity in every one of their recipes. And boy, I am hungry right now. Everything is made completely from scratch. Even the sauce they sell in grocery stores nationwide is made right there at Michael's of Brooklyn. Their puttanesca, marinara, tomato and basil, it's all fresh, delicious, and the absolute best around. Their delicious, authentic sauces are available online and in stores. But now you can head back to Michael's for that homemade Italian cooking just like Mama used to make. Call 718-998-7851 to make a reservation today. That's 718-998-7851. Michael's of Brooklyn, serving the community since 1964. Every Saturday morning at 7, the Auto Lab, the longest-running auto show in New York City, can be heard for a full two hours. Host Professor Harold Walchok and a diverse panel of automotive experts will answer all your basic automotive questions and fill you in on the history and culture of the auto industry. The Auto Lab is on the air and here to help for a full two hours. Listen every Saturday morning starting at 7, right here on AM 970, The Answer. Take AM 970 The Answer anywhere you go with our mobile app. Get in on iTunes, Google Play, or listen on TuneIn, iHeart, Alexa, or Radio.com.
Welcome back to the Alcatulo Craft Beer Cast on AM 970, The Answer. It's the final segment of the program this week. You can follow me very easily on Twitter at Alcatulo, Instagram at Gatulo, G-A-T-T-U-L-L-O, Facebook.com slash AG Craft Beer Cast, uh, via email, albert G at nycradio.com, iTunes, Google Play. Uh, just do a search for AG Craft Beer Cast. You can find the shows on those two platforms. We're Alexa ready as well. We're also available on uh, Radio.com, iHeartRadio, and also the Hopped Up Network. Just head over uh, Monday mornings before 6 a.m. and you can listen to the podcast version of this program uh, before 6 a.m. Quick news note, uh, California's beer and booze makers are protesting what they see as special treatment for wineries. Now, under Governor Newsom's public health orders, wineries are free to conduct tastings outdoors without having to serve food, but breweries and distilleries... Don't get the same break. Scott Hansen and Hans of and Hansen of Handsome Distillery uh, calls it unfair. Tells the Press Democrat the food requirement is extremely expensive and inconvenient. Sonoma County's public health officer, Dr. Sundari Massey, says she's not aware of any research showing a difference in risk whether food is served or not. But legal experts chalk it up to the much larger wine industry's political clout in Sacramento. That's not cool, and we're having the same problem in New York where you need to buy food in order to be served a drink. But in that instance, I can understand it from Governor Cuomo's perspective in so much as that too many people are congregating in one spot. Uh, I think at a brewery you could have social distance as well as a distillery. I've seen it in a number of places uh, in New Jersey, and I'm sure that they can do that in California as well, and it would not be a problem. So uh, we shall see what happens there. Also, before we get to suds and duds, just wanted to recap the Source Home Brewing Competition. Of course, portions of the program brought to you by Source Brewing. Uh, Brewing. Get your uh, beer directly from the source, Route 34 uh, in Colts Neck, New Jersey. By the way, they are open for outdoor tastings. Just go to beerbroadcast.com, and you can pick a time, uh, Thursday through Sunday. Pick a time that you want a uh, two-hour window. Uh, re- reserve your spot on beerbroadcast.com, and do me a favor. If you're going to do that, make sure you show up, because if you don't, then that takes away a spot for somebody who can use it. I would not just drive up and show up. Make sure you go to beerbroadcast.com and reserve your spot. Now, we are down to the final four, so kudos uh, to Mike Randisi, uh, Scott Cooper, uh, Patrick Smith, and uh, uh, Tony Romano, who have moved on to the final four. Um, Patrick's Kolsch is amazing. Uh, It is a fantastic beer. Tony did a lime uh, goza. Uh, which was excellent. Uh, Scott did a uh, hazy IPA uh, called Hoppy Isolation. Uh, Very good. And um, Mike Randisi did a sour ale with blackberries and pink guava. He beat out uh, Katrina Edwards, who had a fantastic Berlin Iron Vice, just peachy, but unfortunately Mike's beer uh, edged out there. Uh, Chris's baklava uh, brown ale, uh, that would be Chris Frauenberger. Uh, Very good, real reminiscent of uh, a baklava. Excellent, excellent beer. Uh, just didn't make the cut. John uh, Pompano's Hazy IPA. Hazy IPA against Hazy IPA. Um, we basically went with the one that had uh, the better aroma and better color in terms of the hazy. And then uh, Roger um, Roger Wells's Irish Red Ale. Good, but Tony's Lime Goza uh, just knocked it out of the park. So kudos to everybody who entered and kudos to the final four. We will be judging that uh, this coming Tuesday. And then, of course, the grand finale is next Sunday. We're going to do a special a live broadcast from noon to one from Source Brewery. Uh, and uh, I don't believe it will be open to the general public. Uh, you'll have to, uh, unfortunately, because of COVID-19 restrictions, we're not able to do that. So um, 
we are going to uh, we're going to judge the uh, the two finalists, whomever they may be, uh, and we will have a little bit of fun. We're going to broadcast it live from noon to one on Sunday, August second. It'll be rebroadcast, of course, at eleven o'clock at night at the normal time that the show is on AM nine seventy. The answer. Let's dive into suds and duds. Uh, a couple of beers that I had over at my favorite place, Paragon Tap and Table. Had a vibrant Piotian from uh, Dogfish Head. This is a great palate cleanser. Uh, love this beer a lot. Uh, this is a collaboration between Dogfish Head and uh, Rodenbach. Excellent beer. If you're really trying to enter into sours, this is a nice beer to enter into. Uh, Beach Patrol Hefeweizen by Ship Bottom. This is a great, easy-drinking beer. Ship Bottom makes some really good beers. Uh, you should definitely check them out down on Long Beach Island. Uh, you will certainly not be disappointed. Double Dry Hop Yacht Juice Mosaic by Icarus. All day, every day. Smooth, smooth as silk. I just love that beer. Uh, had a cane brewing bright in the corners. This is a nice IPA. It didn't blow me away. It hit all the right notes. I don't know what it is with cane. Um, Sneakbox is very good. Their 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 normal offerings of IPAs are really good. I, I kind of a, I, I haven't really tried all of their kind of one offs and different styles that they've done. They're really not known as an IPA brewery. They're more of that that darker, deeper stuff that um, I, I enjoy from time to time. Uh, but it's, uh, you know, it was one of those, yeah, it's good. I'd drink it, definitely on tap. I would definitely drink it. Um, but it's not really something uh, that they do on a regular basis. So eh, who knows? Uh, here's a brewery I haven't had a chance to try, and I'm really glad that uh, Paragon gets these guys. Uh, not very often, but they do. Uh, they are going to start to get them sort of on the regular. Um, this is uh, Thick Lemon Plus Plum uh, by Heavy Reel Brewing down in Seaside Heights. So apparently, the as the story goes, uh, Ernie, the general manager of Paragon Tap and Table, told me, um, the uh, one of the guys from Heavy Reel uh, Brewing comes up north to Linden, I guess, uh, every other week or whatever. And, um, you know, they made a connection and said, listen, if you got any beers, we'd love to we'd love to put them on. This is a fantastic sour. Lemon and plum are balanced very well. There's a nice sour tartness to this. It just hits all the right notes. Um my wife ended up having a glass of this. She loved it. I loved it. I loved it so much. I had two glasses of it. Uh, it is a great beer. Looking forward to trying some more stuff from Heavy Reel. I know they were putting a bunch of sours out this weekend, um, but interested to see what is the next uh, sixtal that they bring up um, to Paragon Tap and Table for me to try because these guys are really good, and I don't know if I'm going to get down to Seaside Heights at any point uh, this summer, but at some point uh, maybe I will. Of course, the guys from Source, uh, two new beers they put out last week. The first one, Watch Me Whip, uh, what a great beer, slamming, so smooth, light on the hop, great mouthfeel, uh, hard to believe it is a uh, 7% beer, this is easily crushable, excellent beer, it's heavily oated, there's no lactose in it, but it gives you that milkshake IPA feel, fantastic beer, they knocked it out of the park. The Single Silo Series, they came out with the Ultra Idaho Gem, uh, nice citrus flavor, uh, juicy, good, Um this is not my favorite of the Silo series, the single Silo series. This one was kind of a little off, and it was only one can that I tried. Be interested to see now that a couple cans are sitting in the fridge for about a week or so um, and see if it's balanced out and see if my taste buds uh, notice anything different or if I get a different reaction uh, when I pour it again. It's not my favorite of the single Silo series. It's drinkable, certainly, but not my favorite of the series. Uh, one of the beers that um, the folks from Dogfish had sent me, uh, Festina, uh, Festina Pesce, uh, which is, this is a nice uh, Neil Berliner Weiss. Great peach flavor. It's a nice summer drinking beer when you want something light and refreshing. Uh, without a doubt, my wife enjoyed it. We had two cans. I shared one with my wife. I took the other. 
She loved it. I loved it. Great beer. Um, Twin Elephant did uh, a v- another version of Nosh, the Citra and Halitu Blank uh, by Twin Elephant. Juicy, dank, smooth, a little bit of a bite to it. Fantastic beer. In fact, I got uh, Twin Elephant's new offering uh, this week, uh, which came out. And th- this is the thing, and I've talked about this before. Um, what Twin Elephant does when they drop their beers uh, is really great. So what they do, they, they don't really make a, a, an official announcement. They kind of just surreptitiously uh, drop the beer uh, when they feel like it. And it could happen any day. Uh, you never know when it's going to happen. So they did a collab with the group Bouncing Souls NJ, uh, which is fantastic. It's called True Believer. Um, and, uh, you know, people really excited about this. Citra Mosaic and Cascade uh, Cryo. Uh, picked up a four-pack over the weekend. We'll definitely try that uh, when I get a moment. But that is really cool that they did a collab uh, with Bouncing Souls. So that's uh, a, a very exciting, and I love it. Follow their Facebook page, Twin Ele- at, uh, at Twin Elephant, uh, or, of course, you can uh, follow them on Instagram as well. And uh, just keep an eye out. When they drop those beers, you got to be on top of it. And then finally, I, I finally got a chance to get a version of Black is Beautiful. This was the collab beer uh, that was put together by a San Antonio brewer. Um, whose name escapes me at the moment. Uh, I should have written the notes out. But anyway, um, this was done by Three Threes down in Hamilton. Uh, a, a collaborative, you know, basically a public recipe they wanted a lot of people to make, and a lot of brewers across the nation uh, put together this beer, which is fantastic. This is thick, boozy, delicious. Very happy that I was able to pick up a four-pack of this. Uh, this is a great, great stout. It is very drinkable. It is strong. By, uh, by no means is it, uh, is it you know, Weak in any way. It is a 10 percenter, but this is an excellent beer. Black is beautiful. This is the three threes version um, of that uh, of that beer. It is wonderful. Now, folks, my thanks to everyone involved in the show, as well as my guests, Andrew Riggi, uh, the executive director of the NYC Hospitality Alliance, and Derek Kasky, one of the owners of Sawstone Brewing, and of course, last but not least, the great Buddy Watson. I'm back Monday on the Joe Piscopo Show at 6 a.m. Remember, next Sunday we will be live from Source Brewing. Uh, down in Colts Neck, New Jersey, from noon to 1, a special live broadcast from noon to 1 at Source, and then it'll be replayed at 11 p.m. Sunday evening. This has been the Alcatulo Craft Beer Cast on AM 970, The Answer. Cheers, everybody.